Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Tonight, as we come on the air, weather threats on both coasts, the death toll rising from wildfires in California, and residents from Texas to Florida brace for impact from twin tropical storms. In California, at least five people are dead, with more than 60,000 evacuated. The smoke reaching all the way east to Nebraska. Tonight, firefighters stretched thin and pleading for reinforcements. Historic storm threat. Not one, but two tropical storm systems are barreling toward the mainland at the same time. Could they both become hurricanes? On-time delivery? The Postmaster General promises mail-in ballots will be delivered fully and on time, but he won't commit to reinstalling hundreds of mail-sorting machines to handle the surge. You will not bring back any processors. They're not needed, sir. Dire prediction. The CDC says the coronavirus could kill more than 200,000 by mid-September as colleges crack down on those campus parties. Pipeline explosion. At least four people are missing and several injured after an enormous explosion at a pipeline in Texas. Delay details on the search for victims. 2020 America decides the president blasts the Democrats after their convention attacks. Joe Biden grimly declared a season of American darkness. What we can expect when the Republicans take the stage next week. This Full House star is headed to the big house. Tonight, Lori Loughlin sentenced. And on the road goes on the water to meet a boat captain with an unusual first mate. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. 
Good evening and thank you for joining us. We're going to begin with those devastating wildfires now burning and spreading out of control in Northern California. At least five people are dead tonight and another 60,000 have been forced from their homes by the intense flames. Hundreds of blazes have exploded in neighborhoods and towns surrounding the San Francisco Bay Area, torching houses and turning more than 1,500 square miles into an apocalyptic hellscape. And with new fires being sparked by lightning strikes and gusting winds every hour, the flames are moving so fast, they are outrunning the thousands of firefighters that are trying to beat back the expanding inferno. Well, tonight, the University of California at Santa Cruz has been evacuated. Shelters and hotels are filling up. And some of the state's historic redwood forests have been destroyed. And with thick smoke choking the skies, there is growing concern that California's air quality, which is now the worst on Earth, is quickly becoming toxic. Now, at the same time that the West Coast is dealing with one natural disaster, the South is bracing for two others. Twin storms are now churning in the waters south of Florida, and tonight they are growing stronger. One is already a tropical storm named Laura, and both could slam into the Gulf Coast by next week. An historic one-two punch to an area that is already suffering through the coronavirus pandemic. Well, there's a lot of new reporting to get to tonight, and our team of correspondents is standing by to cover it all. CS's Carter Evans is going to lead off our coverage tonight from inside that intense fire zone. Good evening, Carter. Good evening, Nora. This is one of the many buildings that have burned in these fires. They've counted almost 500 so far. Two of these fires are larger than 200,000 acres, and that puts them in the top 10 largest fires ever in the state. California remains under assault tonight as nearly 12,000 firefighters statewide continue to battle raging wildfires. The flames already scorching an area nearly three times the size of Los Angeles and killing at least five people. The governor says resources are stretched thin. We've been on the phone with governors trying to reach out as far as the East Coast to see if we can get uh, resources here into the state of California. More than 12,000 lightning strikes have been sparking new fires, and they're igniting in places that haven't burned in more than a century, even threatening the ancient redwoods. Meantime, more than 60,000 residents still can't return home. Oh, my God, it's just... As a massive wall of flames approached Bill Janice's home... There were no firefighters in sight. He tried to cut his own fire break, but it wasn't enough. When the flames reached his wood shop, he scrambled to save his motorcycle parked inside. It fell on top of my leg. I couldn't get it off me. I remember screaming, um, but knowing no one was here. What were you thinking? I don't want to go this way. I'm not ready to go. He escaped and saved his home, but this carpenter's livelihood is gone. This is the motorcycle that he was pinned under, a Harley-Davidson that weighs almost a 1,000 pounds. Now, he says the walls were on fire when he was finally able to wriggle out. The weather is cooling down a little bit. That's good news, but firefighters are concerned, Nora, because more lightning is in the forecast. What a story of survival. Carter Evans, thank you. And now to those two powerful storms that are threatening to slam into the U.S. next week, one right after the other. They're on the move tonight, so let's get straight to CBS's Lonnie Quinn. Lonnie? Well, look, the new information that came to us from the National Hurricane Center has pushed one further to the west, one further to the east. So they're even closer as far as the forecast for where this is going to make a landfall. Taking a look at Tropical Storm Laura, 45-mile-per-hour winds, 
Tropical Depression 14 has 35 mile per hour winds. Laura is going to intensify, we believe, to a category one hurricane, making a landfall somewhere around, say, New Orleans. All right, that second storm I showed you. Watch this. It's basically going to almost the same place. Still a category one, maybe making landfall as a tropical storm, but still intersecting at one point with portions of Louisiana. Your cone goes anywhere from the Mexico border to portions of Louisiana. Has anything like this ever happened before? Once in 1933, we had a storm make a landfall in Jupiter, Florida. Another one the following day make a landfall in Brownsville, Texas. So it's happened. It's a very rare thing. You notice how warm that, air, that water temperature is, about 90 degrees or so. If this does not encounter some wind shear, it's going to get a lot stronger than what I just showed you. We're going to keep our eyes on everything, but the Gulf Coast is definitely on alert, Nora. Those twin storms, very worrisome. Thank you, Lonnie. Tonight, Postmaster General Louis DeJoy says it is outrageous to accuse him of trying to make it harder to cast a mail-in ballot. But DeJoy is also rejecting calls to reverse cuts that even he admits have caused backlogs. CS's Nancy Cordes has more. It was a a slowdown in in the mail. The new postmaster general insisted today the current delays will not affect mail-in voting. We will scour every every plant today, you know, each night leading up to Election Day. So you, you do support voting by mail? I do. DeJoy is a major Trump donor who previously ran a delivery company. He says USPS is just adjusting to the delivery improvements he put in place. A recovery process in this should have been a few days and it's mounted to be a few weeks. But the unexpected changes have alarmed customers and postal workers. We do not have enough people to carry the mail. DeJoy has agreed to halt the removal of collection boxes. I decided uh, to uh, to stop it uh, and we'll pick it up after the election. But says he won't reinstall hundreds of mail sorting machines that were dismantled or removed. They're not needed, sir. So you will not bring back any processors? They're not needed, sir. Congress heard a different take from former postal official David Williams yesterday. You don't save money by breaking down machines and putting them away and storing them. You spend money. He said he resigned in April because he felt the agency was being politicized, with Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin calling the shots. Transfer of our duties and decision-making authority to him was illegal. President Trump has railed against mail-in voting and is now vowing to deploy police at the polls. We're going to have sheriffs and we're going to have law enforcement. But the president doesn't actually have the power to deploy sheriffs, and several states actually prohibit law enforcement presence at polling sites. The House will be holding a special session tomorrow to pass a bill that would force Postmaster DeJoy to roll back all the changes he made this summer. Nora. Nancy Cordes with all that news. Thank you. President Trump is expected to deliver his acceptance speech for the Republican nomination at the White House next Thursday. This after Joe Biden accepted his party's nomination with a scathing rebuke of the president. And new numbers tonight. The Democrats brought in more than $70 million this week. We get more now from CBS's Ben Tracy. In a Virginia ballroom today with no social distancing and very few masks, President Trump gave his review of the Democratic National Convention which ended with fireworks over a Delaware parking lot last night. The Democrats held the darkest and angriest and gloomiest convention in American history. Where Joe Biden sees American darkness, I see American greatness. 
But in his acceptance speech, the newly minted Democratic nominee made it clear he thinks President Trump is the cause of that darkness. The current president has cloaked American darkness for much too long. Too much anger, too much fear, too much division. I will draw on the best of us, not the worst. I'll be an ally of the light, not the darkness. Biden also condemned President Trump's coronavirus response in simple terms. Just judge this president on the facts. Five million Americans infected by COVID-19. More than 170,000 Americans have died. By far the worst performance of any nation on earth. The Republicans' convention kicks off Monday in Charlotte. President Trump is expected to be there as more than 300 delegates nominate him in person. And he's previewing new attacks. 47 years in Washington. 47 years of failure. Tweeting out this ad calling Biden a failure. And once again making the unfounded claim that mail-in voting will lead to election chaos. This will be the greatest catastrophe, one of the greatest catastrophes in the history of our country. Here at the White House this evening, the president held a funeral service for his younger brother, Robert, who died last weekend at the age of 71. The president, the first lady, their family and friends walked the casket out of the White House after a private ceremony in the East Room. Nora. Ben Tracy, thank you. Tonight, a search and rescue operation is underway for four missing people after a pipeline explosion in Texas. Flames and smoke filled the sky in Corpus Christi after a dredging vessel hit a submerged gas pop pipeline, sparking the blast. The fire ignited a barge, then spread to a grain elevator. Six people are being treated at hospitals. Tonight, an alarming CDC prediction that deaths in the U.S. could reach up to 205,000 by mid-September. That would mean 30,000 additional deaths in less than a month. And tonight, there is growing concern that high school and college students may be spreading the virus. Here's CBS's Mola Lenghi. In Alabama, high school football is back. And in the age of COVID, this was not supposed to happen. It may not be obvious from the video, but masks were mandatory. And we're telling the people, if there's an outbreak, there won't be high school football. Potential trouble in college football as well. Today, word of positive cases on the Vanderbilt football team. This, as universities across the country deal with a COVID surge. Syracuse announcing the suspension of 23 students who crowded into the campus quad this week. And Notre Dame, now with 336 confirmed cases. Today... The student newspaper with a stark editorial. Don't make us write obituaries. What's the message here that the paper is trying to get across? It's on all of us. If we don't change our actions and our policies now, people might die. People will die. On the race for a vaccine, Pfizer announced it may have one ready for regulatory review as early as October, while the head of the CDC warned that the healthcare system this winter could be overwhelmed. The biggest fear I have, of course, by the COVID and flu at the same time, is that our hospital capacity could get strained. Well, New York City public schools are still on track for in-person classes starting next month. But even Governor Andrew Cuomo said today he would have a lot of questions before sending his kids back to school here in the city. Adding, quote, it's a risky proposition no matter how you do it. Nora. Mulalenghi, thank you. 
And with more schools set to open next Monday, some districts are scrambling to hire school nurses. Fewer than 40 percent of schools employed a full-time nurse before the pandemic. Also tonight, there are growing concerns for the 7 million children who receive special education services. CBS's Meg Oliver continues our week-long series, The New Normal, Back to School. (laughs) Remote learning has been a tremendous challenge for six-year-old Calvin Latham. The spring, a lot of kids with disabilities didn't soar in that in that environment. The rising first grader from Virginia has a brain malformation, making him one of seven million children in the U.S. receiving special education services. He needs uh, hand over hand support for writing exercises and cutting and gluing and the basic things a first grader would do. Many special education students are legally guaranteed services like an aid through individualized education plans or IEPs. But in a May survey, nearly 40 percent of parents whose children have an IEP said their kids didn't get any support last spring. Are you concerned that you're losing something with that one-on-one interaction if you have to go to all remote? Absolutely. Angie Abdel-Raham teaches special education in New Jersey. I do know that there is going to be a lack in what they need to progress. It's beyond challenging. John Eisenberg runs the National Association of State Directors of Special Education. I think you're going to see an increase of lawsuits because schools, no matter what cost, probably cannot implement the IEPs in some cases because of the funding shortages. You're doing great. Without increased funding, Eisenberg says it will be a daunting task to get kids like Calvin back into the classroom. Meg Oliver, CBS News, Montclair, New Jersey. An emotional apology today from actress Lori Loughlin of Full House as she was sentenced to two months in prison in the college admission scandal. Loughlin told a federal judge, I am truly and profoundly and deeply sorry. Her designer husband got five months. Both report to prison November 19th. They pleaded guilty to paying a half a million dollars to get their daughters into USC as bogus rowing recruits. And happy 101st birthday to Sister Jean, the chaplain of the men's basketball team at Loyola University, Chicago. Because of COVID, the school threw her a virtual party. Sister Jean was born in 1919 during the Spanish flu epidemic. And her birthday wish is that people wash their hands, wear masks, social distance, and that she gets to see everybody back on campus. I'm with Sister Jean. Some relationships simply defy explanation. Here's CBS's Steve Hartman on the road at sea. It can be a lonely job, pulling lobster traps way out here in the middle of the Gulf of Maine. But for 15 years, Captain John Mikowski had company, a faithful companion. In fact, he says, maybe a little too faithful. She comes right up to the window and is looking at me this far away. I mean, just just staring at me. (laughs) John's stalker girlfriend, who he named Red Eye, showed up one day in 2005 and basically never left. Until a few months ago, when Red Eye suffered a leg injury. John knew a seagull couldn't live long like that. How hard was it for him? Oh, very, very difficult. John's wife, Debbie. To watch John... And how to see how sad he was. I could, I could tear up right now. I don't know why I was so emotionally crushed, but there was a piece missing. I was beginning to wonder how much longer I felt like doing this. So, 
in an attempt to save his passion for the sea, he tried to save that seagull. Actually caught her and brought her to the Center for Wildlife in Cape Nettick, Maine. The staff nursed Red Eye while John spoiled her with brown hake, her favorite kind of fish. And would you believe, just a few weeks later, Red Eye was good as new. Earlier this month, John released the bird back into the wild. Perfect. Of course, the wild was never really Red Eye's thing. Which is why, still today, no matter where John is in this great ocean, Red Eye somehow finds him. Atta girl! For centuries, boat captains have believed seagulls carry the souls of lost sailors. And for this fourth-generation lobsterman, that is a comforting thought, that maybe Red Eye is an ancestor looking out for him. But John says it's more about something far less mystical. It's about the purpose that is found whenever two living creatures truly need each other. Steve Hartman, on the road, in the Gulf of Maine. And next week on the CBS Evening News, Racing to a Cure, we go behind the scenes of the push to produce billions of COVID-19 vaccine doses. And if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so that you can watch us later. That is tonight's edition of the CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in the nation's capital. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We hope you have a great weekend and we'll see you right back here on Monday. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.